Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, another week. With the digital sitar music. Yep. Man, I was look, I was hoping I could find this song. Uh, I'm still... I know we're live on the podcast here. I'm scrolling through my phone trying to find a song. Um, if I can't find it, then I can't find it. But the uh, thing is, sometimes I watch, like, TV. And there'll be... You do? Yeah. <laughs> there'll be, like, uh, songs that pop up in a show. And they'll play a little clip of it. And you're like, oh, that was good. What was that? I was amazed by Lone Star. Uh, well, listen. No. I not. wasn't. I don't know any of those words. Yeah, you do. Amazed or at Lone Star? You I mean, know, I know the words, you know but both of those okay, words. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do know the words. Point is, sometimes those songs are really good, and what I've been doing lately is I'll look them up, and then I will this jam it? out. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Okay. I'll look them up. Hold on. I think this is gonna. Do you work. know what show you saw this on? Uh, th- this one might have been Weeds. Weeds. You remember Weeds? Never watched that show. Uh, I watched it a long time ago, like when it was uh, newer, you know? Yeah. And then uh, what we've been doing with uh, Jessica's aunt is we've been like, because she's 75 years old, we've been introducing her to shows that are old that she's never seen or heard of, but we thought she might like, and that was one of them. All right, listen to this for a second. All right. Turn it up here. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar now. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar now. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar now. What do you think of that? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, man. So that that just you know just came on and I heard it and I thought to myself that is the gnarliest, dumbest shit. So I had to have it on my phone. What band is that? It's called Hill of Beans. Hill of Beans. Satan, lend me a dollar. You know what it it reminded me of? I'm I'm sure you can think of it. Maybe. Hey, Randy. Uh, Oh, really? Just because of the reference to the devil. Uh And because it's that kind of weird sound. Hey, Randy. Hey, what? Shout out to Matthew. Uh, By the way, I was walking through uh, Home Depot, or Lowe's rather, and I walked by the um, section that has the, like, outdoor brooms and shit. And there was one dustpan on a handle, you know what I mean, that flattens off like you would use at the movie theater, one of those handheld, uh, you don't have to bend over dustpans. And I hadn't seen one of those since we worked at the movie theater. Really? So I took a picture of it and sent it to Matthew. I have one of those at home. Do you really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, Um, You you actually bought one? or I don't. You don't remember how you acquired it? Yeah, I don't really remember where it came from, to be honest with you. I think it may have been at the house when I moved into it. And I was like, oh, I'll keep that. 
That's not like one of those things that the previous owner. Are we having technical difficulties? Mm, no, I just plugged in that stupid thing. Don't show that to me again. This is a. There we go. Got rid of it. I got rid of it. <laughs> All right. Problem solved. Uh, that was from you plugging in your phone? Uh, just don't worry about it, man. It's, it's a distraction. Right. It is a distraction. <clears throat> I'm distracted now. I don't even remember we're what we're talking about. about. We're talking about sweeping up popcorn. Sweeping up popcorn. Yeah. Back in the good old days. What's the grossest thing that you encountered when you worked at the movie theater? Some inside at movie theater grossest. shit for the audience. Was the grossest or worst thing that you, you know, encountered? I mean, I don't honestly don't remember anything too particularly gross, to be honest with really? you. Really? Yeah. I, I do. <coughs> Such as? Well, um, uh, let me tell you about some stuff that you would never know unless you worked at a movie theater. And there's, only, there's very few of us. We're like a brotherhood of few, you know? Yeah. Um, so I used to have to wear. Brotherhood of few. I used to, I used to have to wear short sleeve white dress shirts with a bow tie. And then we had red or green aprons. That's what your choice. And the aprons, of course, they stayed at the movie theater, which means they didn't get washed, which means they smelled like grease and shit. And it made you smell like that. Like if you worked fast food, you know that smell. That was just in the fabric so deep. If you put it on, you were going to smell. You were gonna, it's going to be like your perfume. Yeah. Your fake butter, gross, teenage you know, pimply-faced s- smell. That's what you get. By the time I worked there, there was no dress shirts, no bow ties, mm. no... Uh, mm. I don't even think there were fucking aprons, to be honest with you. Well, there was in the beginning. Yeah. And um, why was I telling you this story? Oh, the gross, the gross, gross stuff. Yeah. So that was one of the gross things, by the way, just how awful that stuff smelled. And if, you ever, if you've worked fast food or in food service, especially fried food, uh, or I don't know, it wasn't exactly fried food, in our case, but anyway, you know, you know what that's like. The other thing is this: people are gross. People are gross, and people who feel like they've purchased their right to be sitting in the movie theater feel like they've, for the next hour and a half, own that shit, and that and that seat belongs to them, and they can do whatever they want there. And in some cases, that includes having sex. Oh, so I did uh, see on two separate occasions. People having sex in a packed movie theater. They're, they're usually courteous enough to do it in the back. Yeah. And courteous enough to do it in, you remember on the one side of the theater, there was only two chairs. Yeah. There's only room for two chairs. Then the aisle, then the then the bulk of the chairs, then the other two chairs. They were courteous enough to sit on the two chair section. So at least there was, there was an aisle in between the people who would be sitting directly next to them while they're fucking. The girl sits on top of the guy like they're sitting in his lap. And in one case, they had a blanket over them. Brilliant. Yeah. Which means they went to the theater no with that blanket, with that plan. Yeah. And it was a it was a crowded theater. It wasn't like there were six people in there, man. But... Uh... Who, who goes to, like, you go to the movie theater knowing that you're going to bang watching Escape from L.A. or something, you know? Yeah. How, how old would you suppose those people were? I would assume younger. Um, my guess would be 20s. They were younger. Young, like young, early 20s. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to guess, I would say they 18. were like sixteen. Oh, okay, they were, they maybe maybe seventeen. They were teenagers. They were probably doing it there because their choices were limited. I don't know, but that that you know, then they just they just do their business all over those 
seats, you know? I don't know how much drip, dribbles onto the seats, but certainly it's not sanitary. Then they just, then at, then at the end of the movie, they just get up and they leave and they act like nothing happened and some other asshole is going to sit right down in that seat for the next for the next showing. You know? You're really grossing me out But it right gets now, worse. Dude. It gets worse. I never saw that. A lot of people... I was also a bad employee, so... <laughs> a lot of people would bring in outside food and beverages, even though there were signs clearly posted visibly where you could oh, yeah. see it that said, no outside food and beverages. Now, I, I grew up going to that theater. It was a second-run theater, so it was for poor people anyway, you understand? People can't afford to spend $8 on popcorn. They're going to bring in fried chicken in their purse. They're, that's what they're going to do. Absolutely. And so that's what they did. So I'm telling you, dude, there's been... So many chicken bones, just uh, just in the seats, on the floor. One time I reached in the back, because the seats flip up when you get out of them. Unless they're broken, they flip up. I remember seeing a piece of garbage, like you would expect um, a napkin to be, right? I reached in to grab in the seat to grab it. It was a fucking diaper, dude. Uh, I used a diaper full of shit that someone just left in the seat. That's pretty gross. It gets worse. It gets worse. I remember on two occasions, the bathroom had some disgusting shit happen. And one occasion, the manager wouldn't even let me clean it up. He was like, this is a biohazard. No shit. Kevin, Kevin said no. He cleaned it up himself. He didn't want any, any of his employees doing it. And that was Kevin, man. Damn. So the first time, um, I had to go in to clean the woman's bathroom. And you just, you just holler in there like, hey, is there anybody in here? And then you put a sign out at the front and then you go in and you clean the women's bathroom and I people are weird and gross I had already said that once yeah one of the things people are weird and gross about is using public bathrooms and yet it doesn't stop them from using public bathrooms what I mean is some people seemingly don't want to put their ass down on a public bathroom they do the hover maneuver they do the hover maneuver yeah it's a terrible idea if you care at all about this the sanitary conditions of the bathroom it's that's a terrible maneuver it's a terrible maneuver just put a couple squares of toilet paper and just you get your get your stupid peace of mind that that the germs aren't microscopically gonna just swim up into your butthole anyway because they're gonna you know you know what i do worry about is catching monkeypox from uh, a toilet seat Mm, wouldn't that be something how could you explain that (laughs) you'd be like i got it it was a toilet seat and they'd be like yeah sure it was right yep you're sure it was fucking going to gay orgies bro Oh, anyway, the reason I tell you this story and it's graphic and gross, so I'll just skip, skip to the point. Somebody had just shat all over the walls, all over the toilet, all over the back of the toilet, and I thought that was just the grossest thing. And I'm, I'm mopping, right? I'm mopping, and stuff is sloshing out from behind the toilet, right? Oh, and here's the thing. Here's the thing God, about here's dude. the thing about the girls' bathroom. There's there's all kinds of different things that girls produce. You know, if you're a teenage boy, you're not expecting to slosh out from behind the back of the commode, like babies, like a like a tam- like a used tampon, oh. and then yeah, it was just gross, man. It was like diarrhea and tampon, and I'm a like a, when I was like 14 or 15 year old kid just mopping up some stranger's diarrhea. Point is, people are gross, people you know, are gross. and rude, gross and rude. Danger- it's a terrible combination. Dangerfield would say, no respect. Yeah, no respect. They don't have any respect. So you don't have anything like that you could think about? Man, I don't know. Like, Or from any other job? 
Oh, yeah, I definitely have some <laughs> jobs. I remember I worked at the Old Navy across the street yep. from that uh, establishment. Yep. I had to clean up some shit there. So I'm, I was like, I was like the new guy, so they made me do it. I was like, I'll fucking do it. What, oh, in the bathroom? Yeah. Why oh, was there a bathroom? Remember? Yeah, there was a oh, bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. gross. That's yep, always gross. That was pretty disgusting. Um, you know, I've I've worked in bars too, so that's you know you you're bound to run into yeah. some throw up and some. Oh yeah. 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 Not, not oh yeah. People at bars. See, I never had to clean a bathroom at a bar, but that to me sounds like a just. I should ask my wife because she bartended for a long time. Because people, you can think people are gross and rude when they're watching a movie. Imagine them drunk. They're a thousand times worse. Yeah. There's toilet paper places where it, where it doesn't belong. Uh, I mean, how, why why it would there be toilet paper in the urinal? But there's toilet paper in the urinal, you know. And there's all kinds of mysterious his... substances everywhere. It smells terrible. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. One time, uh, Corey and I were leaving a movie. Uh, that we had just seen up here. It was uh, up here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the Cleveland area. And there was this guy. We were standing you know, in front of the urinal peeing, and there was this guy in one of the stalls who was very obviously whacking off. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey was cracking up. I was, like, considering, like, kicking the door and, you know, like, fucking with the guy. Um, but, yeah, that that's pretty gross. That's That's... So the only thing I have like like that similar is when I lived in uh, when I lived in Lakewood and I lived in that double upstairs downstairs unit. Uh, the guy the bathrooms because the plumbing is right in the same spot because it used to be one house. You know, the upstairs bathroom is exactly above the downstairs bathroom. So every morning I heard the neighbor jerking off every <laughs> every morning. You know, I'm in there doing my business. I just hear the grunts and the noises. Uh, that was weird. And I and I you know like I knew the guy. I talked to him. Like outside of you know, you know what I mean. Is, Do you think that he knew that you could hear him? No, I don't think so. That's 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 fucking embarrassing. Yeah, but it's, I you know I didn't never ever brought it up. You're like until, bro, I can hear you coming until, every morning. That's like <laughs> until right now on oh, the air. Man. Oh, you know what? I have another theater story that popped in my head. It also involves the bathroom. I didn't have to clean it up, but it has an interesting tale. I probably told you this before, but he, so. I, I mentioned this was a second-run theater, which means it cost a dollar fifty for a ticket. So it was for poor people, and one of the things they would do is they would have the um, I don't know uh, I don't know what the fucking PC word is here, but they would have like the uh, MRDD people. Um, so that's probably that's probably like a rude thing to say, just the way I did. But see how fucking paranoid the culture gets you. The point is, there were adult people with disabilities that lived in a community together with uh, support staff and every now and then the support staff would put them on a bus and bring them to the movie theater and you'd have like you know a gaggle of 20 uh, you know like mostly they were like middle aged people but they had uh, but they couldn't take care of themselves and and the people they were very nice and uh, the staff was very nice and they would always come in and they would order they'd, all the, everybody would get the same thing and go see the same movie and at one point one of the staff will come out well, with go ahead, with, a, with a group of people during the movie. And they go to the bathroom. They go to the concession stand. That kind of thing. Yeah. And that happened at one point. You were going to ask something? What kind of movies were they seeing? <laughs> oh, boy. It was like, yeah, mostly like family movies and uh, 
cartoons and kids, you know, kids movies. movies and stuff. Um, so anyway, got it. so a, gr- a group comes up to use the bathroom and then they go back to the movie. I think nothing of it. And a little while later, one of the staff members comes out because she realizes not everyone came out of the bathroom. They were missing one. They were missing one of the people. So she goes into the bathroom. She's looking for her all over. We can't, she can't find her. It's a little bit of a panic going on. Lost an adult. And then, turns out, she's lo- they found her. She's locked herself in a stall in the women's bathroom. And oh, she man. won't come out. She refuses to come out. And there's like a little standoff going on. I, 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 I don't know what's going on. I can't go in the bathroom. It's the girl's bathroom. Then, the like fire department shows up like the fire department shows up because they're gonna have to break this lady this handicapped lady out of the stall the fucking fire department shows up this is like a theatrical thing for me man they go into the women's bathroom they break open the door and it's empty what is she, this a fucking ghost story dude listen, or is this man, an M. Night Shyamalan movie this is an M. Night Shyamalan story man she's gone and then this is what we find out happens later this is this is the after the fact mystery reveal. This is the reveal, okay. One, so what happened was she went. She was in the bathroom. She, something went wrong. She's a ghost. <laughs> something went wrong while she was in the bathroom. She, 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 I don't know what happened. I can only imagine. She was she was covered in shit, and, oh, her, and her clothes were covered in shit. And the shit, so like, she, I don't know. If she tried to clean it with her clothes. I don't know. She like wiped herself away. <laughs> Listen, man. Let me tell the story. All right. So she, one of the adults, the, the caretakers, leaves and, and goes and gets her a spare set of clothes, comes back. This lady crawls out from underneath the stall, covered in shit, having removed her clothes, gets dressed in her fresh, clean clothes, and then makes a quick escape, right? Impromptu, nobody even knows that this is the same lady stuck in the stall, because they were embarrassed and she just snuck away to leave the fire department to come and knock the fucking door down to find this mysterious girl gone but there was shit covered clothes in there so it's like she's gone her shit covered clothes are in the stall and that's what happened man she that just is a fucking mystery dude. a mystery i mean it's wrapped really, in an you know enigma but back then you were like that's like uh that's like something from that's like some chris angel like mind CSI freak or shit something. Oh yeah, that too. Mind freak. Fucking A, dude. Another shout out to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Guyliner. Oh boy. Um yeah, man. What it, those are it, those are re- a couple of stories. Do you remember the first time you ever walked into a public bathroom and there was uh searching for the right term that you uh that you were like very nervous about in the last you know, topic we were just talking about um, a oh. MRDD person, a retarded person. Yep. Um, like you ever walked into the bathroom and there's a fully grown adult, you know, mentally handicapped person who's peeing with their pants like down to their ankles yeah. or around their yeah. knees. I, I've seen it. Yeah. It's fucking that, that I, I remember being like jarred the first time I saw that as a kid. Yep. Um, oh my god! But you know who used to do that, just as a as a joke, was Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we used to work with this dude. This he was younger than us. He was awesome. He still is awesome. I'm sure. Shout out to Kenny and Charity, and uh, and this was back in the day when we had 
the aprons and the bow ties. And we had white short sleeve dress shirts and black pants. And Kenny would go into the bathroom to pee, and he would pull his pants and underwear all the way down to his ankles. <laughs> and and he, and he did that on the off chance that you were going to walk in and see it. Yeah, and it was yeah. hilarious, man. I, oh, but I, I got man. one for you. Um, I went to, I can't remember uh, when this was, but the first time I walked into a bathroom and the urinal was like, a trough that's an open trough. Oh yeah! And everyone's just peeing in a circle with their dicks out, you know, for the world to see. I panicked. I was like, "What do you do here? What do you do here, man? This is wrong." You're like, "I'm just gonna hold it. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine." Oh boy. Yeah, the trough thing. I never really. I, I I never. I've never used a urinal trough that was a circle. Yeah, that's true. The one, the one that's, that I—that's fucking weird. Because <laughs> you have the chance of peeing on someone, and if you're drinking, that's bound to cause some fights. Can you imagine, like yeah. a like a a, tr- a circle trough um, p- pisser <laughs> in a bar? Yeah. Oh, dude. People are pissing on each other. Fights are happening. Oh, you know. Oh, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Funny hey, disaster. Before before we get off this topic of sh- human shit, because I know this is gross, but I got. A story I planned on telling you it just happens to be related. All right. So I'm just going to squeeze it in here because if I bring it up later, people are going to be like, God damn, quit talking about shit, man. You know what I mean? Sure. All right. Keep so all the shit content. And like one keep it portion. in way. Well, yeah. So I can fast forward. So, um, so we've had plenty of plumbing problems with this house since we moved in. And we know why. They have these really long runs for the plumbing, really long, like unusually long runs. And the pitch is not great. So, it's a recipe for clogs and we've had all kinds of issues but we had a weird issue that happened a couple of like a week ago and it's fucking weird man and the explanation for it's weird too but so we have two sump pumps down here dos sump pumpos dos sump pumpos and so if the water if it's raining really hard because this is all clay here you know and there's no nowhere for the water to go if it's raining really hard, all the, all the water is going to rush down towards the foundations of your house. And, um, you know, they've done a whole bunch to this house to make sure the basement doesn't flood. There's drain tiles in here. There's multiple sump pumps. Well, we've been here a couple, couple of years. We've had two of the sump pumps, actually all three, replaced. And uh, they work fine. They work great. Never had any issues with them. All of a sudden, we have a couple of days of heavy rain. And we start getting this <coughs> weird fucking smell coming out of the sump pump. I'm like, what in the fuck? And then it gets stronger and stronger. And it's like, you can tell it's not going away. It's getting worse. And now it smells like diarrhea. The whole yeah. basement smells like diarrhea. I'm like, what in the hell? So I call the city. And they're like, call a plumber, man. So I call, I call the plumber. They solved the problem. And it was gross. And if it, this, my, this is where my office is, dude, down here. I had decided to work down here in diarrhea city. And, uh, it, dude, I was pouring gallons of bleach down there to, like, just improve it so I could deal with it down here. It was really bad. Uh, I probably breathed in parasites, probably. I'm... Parasites. <laughs> Point is, um, th- what what ended up, what the plumber ended up saying happened was there was a blockage way out towards the street and, uh, and it was causing like all those pipes to be just backed up all the way and sewage was, they're just clay pipes, dude. They're just clay pipes. That's their fucking clay pipes, dude. This house was, <laughs> this house was built in the 60s. So those those clay pipes, they're made of clay, man. Yeah. You know, it's like they're not very durable. And they just butt up to each other, the pieces. It, it, I don't know how, I don't know who in, 
invented that. It's the worst design. The point is, um, they, it just gets full, and then it seeps out of those joints, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, because everything's clay here, and uh, the same with the rainwater, all that sewage that was leaking out underneath the soil was just coming back to the house, uh, yeah, going down into the, into the footer, getting sucked up by the sump pump. That's gross, bro. Yeah, man. And so it was like that for a week, about a week here. And we got that fixed, and it was expensive. It's always expensive. Plumbing, plumbing has been man. the bane of my existence, man. Should have been a plumber. Should have been a plumber. Should have been a plumber. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know the, the song? No. Should have been a cowboy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know who sings that, but I sing Should Have Been a Plumber. That's a, a new single coming at you soon. <laughs> uh, all right, man. What do you got? What you got for me? Um, Nothing, really. All right. Podcast <laughs> over. 24 minutes in. Uh, you know, do you, do you remember what you were doing when the OJ thing was happening? The chase? Um, no. No? Uh Uh-uh. Not really. Because I was so young, I don't remember... Uh Uh-uh. No. Do you remember anything about the OJ scenario? I remember seeing the chase on the news. Sort of. Um, Well, yeah, I I, I guess I don't mean like what you were doing like at when it was actually happening but i just i mean, thought like, you were asking like what were you doing when you like, found out about 911 cuz i remember what yeah, i was yeah. doing i remember what i was doing then you know yeah cuz cuz if you asked like our parents uh, you know or or grandparents like what were you doing when jfk was assassinated they'll they'll know they'll know yeah yeah what other events are there like that for you uh in my lifetime yeah like like Nationally significant events? I don't know. I guess... Oh. 9-11 really is the only one that stands out to me, I think. There are some memories like that that I know because of its context what day it was. Oh, okay. Like one of them is um, January 1st, New Year's Day, 2000. Okay. Where were you? I was at Wanda's house. It was at Wanda's grandma's. That was my girl I lost my virginity to. I was at her grandma's house where she lived, and uh, we were watching the ball drop. So it was December 31st, 1999. I'm like 14 years old or whatever, uh, 15. I don't know what I was, something like that. And, um, and it was Y2K fear. You remember that? I do. At the time, there was lots of fear about Y2K. And if, for those of you who are too young to know what I'm talking about, God, it's so weird getting old. All of the digital computing back, at, back in those days... <laughs> was built on a, uh, a a system for tracking dates, for date stamps, that was limited. It, it, it had four um, digits, and two wasn't in there. It was 19 blank, 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 right? It was 19 blank, blank. So they thought we didn't know what was going to happen when the year 2000 came if the software... C- couldn't handle, you know what I mean? I don't know enough about computers to make this and make any sense, but they thought that that there was a possibility that systems would crash everywhere, important systems, and because everything's computerized, what are we going to do? It's like, we got to figure out the software patch immediately, yeah. and everyone was terrified. I wish that I could go back and, you know, look at just how the news was treating it, that, that Y2K thing, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I bet you there was a lot of 
unnecessary fear mongering. Oh, I'm going sure. On. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it was as bad as like I'm. I'm sure it wasn't as bad as like what we saw during COVID. You know. Maybe I don't know. But people were afraid. Yeah, for sure. The reason I tell you that is because I was watching the ball drop with my girlfriend. And uh, her sister was there, her sisters, and her half-brother was there. And uh, he was a little uh, little toddler, and he had some disease, so he, he, he didn't have, like, his bottom of his legs were missing, and he had, like, prosthetic legs. I don't know the deal, but he was this little kid. So she's sitting on my lap, my girlfriend, and we're watching the ball drop, and we're teenagers, and we're doing teenage things. And uh, the countdowns, the ball's dropping, and the countdown's happening. Ball's dropping. Right? Three, two... You're getting ready to say Happy New Year and kiss your girlfriend, right? One. Power went out in the house. Whole neighborhood. Oh, power. Man. And it happened. It happened, dude. Serendipitously. When the ball dropped, when it, when it was zero, the electricity went out. And people thought. The world's ending. The people thought the world was ending. My girlfriend jumped off of my lap immediately and grabbed her little brother. You know, to like protect him. I felt so abandoned. I was just like, this girl, man, she doesn't love, she doesn't really love me, man. She jumped directly off my lap. She, did, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I just, that's a, that's a really funny feeling. Um, Power came right back on. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Like a couple of seconds later. It would have been good if they let you sweat for a little yeah, bit, you know? Yeah. Actually, probably not. Who knows how quickly people are going to start acting crazy if they think the shit's hit the fan, you know? Yeah. How quick do you think it happens? Oh God! Way way quicker than you would hope to like to think. Like, like, like back then, cell phones and stuff are not as prevalent. Okay, so the power goes out, um, and the media has been hyping you up that this could be the end of the world, and the power goes out serendipitously right then. Um. Yeah, how quickly before people start marauding? Oh boy, you know that's so. Imagine, imagine if something like that happened on a day like Halloween, when people are already like teenagers and are already ready to fuck shit up. The Devil's Night. Devil's Night, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh boy. All right, well that's my sewer story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you, you said you had some semi-personal stuff you wanted to talk about. What was that about? So, one second, man. You caught me in mid-stretch. Mm. Um, Get that stretch, Papa Bear. Sorry. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been at this new place that I work at for about three months now. Maybe... About three months now. We'll just say about three months. And... um I've got both of my brothers working there with me now, too. Oh, you got the young one there, too, yeah. huh? Nice. Yep. Um, and I found out... So I work in the shipping department. You know, I get I get parts from a lot of different areas together and ready to ship, basically. Um, it's kind of complicated. Um, and I am, like... I guess the first person who's been good at it in a while. Nice. Uh, who's, you know, who they've hired in that area. Um, and I found out that a position opened up over on the other side, the fabrication side, uh, as a saw operator. Mm. And I expressed interest in it. And 
they really want me over there. Ooh. So um, I feel like uh, I feel like the bell of the ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like both of these departments are like trying. So basically, on Monday I have a meeting with them, and they're both going to pitch me like this is the path forward in this department. That's cool, man. Yeah, uh, but I just feel. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing to do is, you know. Well, I th- I think you gotta you gotta go with your instincts once you've heard them out. So yeah. if, you, if one says this is the trajectory here, we'd like to have you stay and work this way. And the other guy says this way. Uh, you know, you got to decide for your career what you what you want to be doing in the sh- near term. Yeah. What seems like it's it's going to be the most lucrative for you. You know what I mean. Um. Saw operator sounds interesting, man. I don't know. She can learn to. Well, cut, I'm but. definitely gonna end up being more than that. It's actually not that inter- I mean, it's cool. It's cool running the saw, but um, I'll, I would be doing more. I would be welding and stuff like that eventually. That's so. cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, are you? Do you feel like you're uh, abandoning your youngest brother? Yes, I do. That's like one of the worst things. I feel you know, like he just started and I'm like, I, I would have to stay in the department for a while to help train anyways. Yeah. But, well, but what about your middle brother? What about, what about Corey? Is he, uh, is he able to do fill in your shoes and help him out? Kind of. Um, but I was, uh, I had only been able to train Corey for like two weeks oh. before he got taken to a different department uh, too. I, so. I see. I see. Yeah. They're kind of like uh short staffed all over the place. So, yeah. How, yeah. how's uh how's Colin doing so far good good yeah very nice man yeah um it's a lot of information and it's a lot of um communicating with a lot of different people trying to make sure that things are done and in place on time ready to ship on time yeah um so you know that just takes yeah you just gotta do that up yeah like a lot of following up and paying attention mm-hmm. to detail, writing and like, things down. You, see, young kids aren't aren't as good w- with that, so you have to like you gotta like impress that on them. Yeah, you know, D- triple check, man. Yeah, give yourself plenty of time. Yeah, aim small, miss small. You know. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What's that from? Aim uh, small, miss. Patriot. Oh, we were Patriot. just talking that's about right. that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so uh, I, w- I want you to know, we talk about movies sometimes on the podcast, and they're always from our era. You know of of prime growing up years you know um and so so matt will text me after the podcast sometimes and he's he'll say you gotta get some fresh movie references man like are you not watching tv in the last 20 years i don't Uh, i mean i've been watching hot d don't know no Mm -mm. sounds like porn really hot d no it's house of the dragon the, the, the game of thrones show yep but um no i don't watch much movie tv's Movie TV. I don't watch much movie TVs anymore. <laughs> I heard Rogan talking to somebody about House of, House of the Dragon. Yeah. And they said at some point they fast forward 30 years. Have you, have you got there yet? I don't think it's 30 years. I think it's like 10 years. But Yeah, they jump forward and they change some of the actors. Mm-hmm. And Joe and whoever he was talking to were immediately out. Like, fuck that. No, no, it's it's not bad at all. It's pretty good. It's not what Joe Rogan says, man. Well, Joe, Who I are you going to believe? <laughs> you know, I've got a love-hate relationship with Rogan. I don't take him seriously on, yeah. on su- certain things. Um, but yeah, I think it. I you, think it was. You, it you, was fine. You called out. You called out Rogan in the way early about being hypocritical 
about being a little bit of a um, what's the word uh, homosexual? Oh, no. Is that it? Though? No, just about having liberals on and being being extra liberal, and then yeah. having, having having libertarians on, on and being, and being yeah. more conservative, doing that little mimic at, you know act. Yeah, uh, and I think obviously he's a complex guy. Like everybody, he's got thoughts and opinions on both sides, and I'm not writing that off. But but I see that a lot now. That where you called it out a long time ago. He yeah, he definitely wants, and I can't even really blame him for this. I guess, um, but he wants, he cares about having a environment where people feel comfortable on the show. You know. Yeah. Um. So he's not gonna really. Well, that's not true because he he will sometimes confront people and and but generally, I don't know. Well, he tries to do it conversationally. Uh, I've r- rarely seen Joe, except for to Brian Callen. I've never <laughs> yeah, I've, I've yeah. never seen Joe be like directly aggressively mean to anybody. But to Brian Callen, he's a dick, man. I don't know why Brian Callen even hangs out with him. Well, Brian Callen is kind of a. He's a weird guy. He is a weird guy, but he's getting better. Is he? I don't know. Maybe not. He still hangs around with that fucking idiot Brendan Schaub. You know Brendan? Yeah, yeah. Fuck Brendan. <laughs> um, did you see any of the stuff that happened with him and Bobby Lee? You no. Know Bobby Lee? Uh, I've heard the name. You don't know who Bobby Lee mm-hmm. is? You fucking weirdo. Tell me. Maybe I do. He's a little Cor- he's a little Korean stand-up comedian. <laughs> okay, he's got yeah, a mustache. Yeah. Mustachio. I have to look it up. Let me look it up. Keep talking. You I'm gonna look Bobby up Bobby Lee. Lee. Um, Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar. <laughs> but uh, Bobby Lee was dating this girl named Kalila, and Brendan Schaub apparently tried to get her to blow him in his truck. Oh yeah, uh, that guy. And they just like blew it up into this huge drama thing. Um, basically, I think they were just taking advantage of the fact that Brendan's an idiot. Well, I just saw a photo. Uh, I do know Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee. His his wife is a beautiful lady. Um, They're not together anymore. But if he, if I was her and I had the choice between Brendan Schaub's big old hog and Bobby Lee's, you know, I, I you know, I got <laughs> the scales are tipping towards the big muscular beefcake. I think. Dude, this just got super gay all of a sudden. <laughs> I feel very uncomfortable. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but the thing is, she's married. She's made a commitment to the guy. I assume she... Did she... I don't think they are married. I don't think they oh, are okay. married. Oh, okay. Okay. But what about the code of honor among comedians, man? That, that's funny. What are you talking about? I like you to listen think... to these podcasts. They're all depraved... Depraved degenerates. Yeah, but is there no honor amongst... Depraved degenerates? Apparently not. Mm. I wouldn't expect there to be. Mm. It's disappointing. Especially not young depraved degenerates. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Young people are the worst. Yeah. I don't know shit. Man, I was I was just an asshole when I was younger. Yeah. Yep. Do you do you feel that way when you look back at yourself when you were younger? That I was an asshole? Because I don't think that you were really an asshole. Oh man, you can make me be introspective here on the podcast. Let's let's think. Uh, I was definitely an asshole. I mean, I, I I just like any teenager, I had I had problems with anger. You know, for a stretch, I overreacted and re- reacted poorly on on all sorts of occasions. Man, yeah. Um, and it took me a long time to learn lessons from that, <laughs> but I did. I thank God. Eventually, thank God. 
took me, I, I think it took me a long ass time. The temper thing. Oh God. was like that. I, if I could have dialed that back earlier, I would have been better off, but I just like carried that one for way longer than I needed Dude, to. I, I, I am so relieved by the fact that I can't get angry like I used to. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I can, but nothing has caused it. And when I was a teenager, didn't require much. I go off the fucking handle, man. So one time I was having sex, and <laughs> yeah. I got a um, Charlie horse in my in my hamstring. No, and I was so pissed off that I punched a hole in the drywall. I was Ugh. like, "Fuck!" You know, just like super angry. Oh, did you scare? Was it right right there in the situation? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. She was terrified. Or, she was, or was she turned on by it? No, she was mad at me. Oh, yeah. I would be too. I'd be fucking. That's a weird thing to happen mid stride, man. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked for me though. I mean, I had a cramp, so <laughs> it's you know, the let's worst. not underestimate or let's not uh, undersell a Charlie horse in the middle of you know sexy time. Yeah, that's the nothing ruins sexy time like a Charlie horse. Oh no, uh uh-uh. uh So uh, I went to this Halloween themed thing in the community where I live with the kids. And it's kind of like, it's like, imagine like a, a carnival or something that's going on. And it, like, that's how many people are gravitate to this thing. And it's like, uh, it's like on the, on the property that the library's on. And there's these woods behind the library with a trail that goes through. And they decorate this trail, um, with like Halloween, scary things and like some people some people but mostly it's just like displays of different things and then you pay some money and you go through the course you walk through and then at this time they was like people giving candy out to the kids and then like there's a later version once the lights once the you know it gets darker and it gets scarier then they like then it becomes like a haunted like a haunted house sort of a walkthrough it, when i went it was day, daytime and it was like a bunch of kids in their halloween costumes trick-or-treating but at night it's a scarier version that's kind of what they've done and uh there's some interesting people watching going on yeah and i don't know if you've seen this if you've been to a car show maybe you've seen these guys but there are people that show up to this sort of stuff that like i imagine matthew would get along with uh-huh. there are people that have a tremendous interest in Halloween, you know, cult-like interest in Halloween and uh, uh, all the pageantry that goes uh, along with it. So let me say what I mean. There is, there, there's people that showed up, not one, not two, but 15 people that showed up with hearses, hearses of various ages. Some of them were cool, like old 70s Cadillac hearses and things. Yeah. But then, they, you know, it's like they open them up and they have like scary displays in there and these are just normal people that go to these things and do these displays because they enjoy it but it gets weirder man Does there's it? like whole groups of people in their 20s that are all dressed like Harry Potter they're all dressed like Star Wars they're all dressed like uh, you know Marvel and the costumes these are adults that have money that can afford good costumes these fun dude this Darth Vader was like cinema quality Darth Vader yeah. You know, walking around. These are people that aren't being paid to be there. They were attracted by this event and they walk around, take pictures with kids and shit. There was this guy in this Hulk costume. It was fucking dope, man. It was dope. Um, it, but it's also weird because it these, weird. these are grown ups 
And most of these people are there with their buddies and groups, not with kids. They're just there for the fucking festivities. Now, don't get me wrong. Parents are there. There's adults there. There's food trucks. You know, it's it's not just for kids, but it's it's a little weird, man. There, there's guys dressed like um, Ghostbusters with like the dopest proton packs you've ever seen, like cinema quality proton packs. And they're all wearing the jumpers with the stitched on name tags and the, uh, you know, and and they've got like... Their station wagon there. They, they've got like the fucking uh, Ghostbusters logo on the side of the car. You know, fat head sticker on the side of the car. They get into it. Hell yeah! Have you seen these people? I have not. You've seen the Ghostbuster people? Not. I mean, I've maybe on the internet. I've never seen them in person. I saw a whole army of them. That's crazy. Here, here in our humble. Yeah, man. Crazy. The, the Marvels one was didn't the... didn't realize we drew those kind of freaks. Yeah. The Marvels one was interesting because they're supposed to be, like, very fit. But these are, like, in some cases, these people are, like, in their 30s. Yeah. And it's like... They're not They're fit. not fit. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's like a pudgy Spider-Man. <laughs> like there was Captain America. Dad bod Spider-Man. There was a girl who I don't know, maybe Black Widow or something, because I didn't see that movie, but she's wearing, like, this white costume, and she's holding, like, a staff, like a staff. Okay. And it looks like a shower curtain rod or something, like she's holding. Yeah. You know? But the costume was good. The staff was not good. She cheaped out on the staff. So a lot of times... When you have outfits like that, ladies doing cosplay things. Yep, yep. You'll have some uh, some cleavage action mm-hmm. going on. Was there any of that going on? Yeah, I know what you they mean. they have that dialed back because it was kids? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, it was dialed back, although I don't know if it might have just been the type of human beings that were there were more modest, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, they also had a whole gaggle of uh, Disney princess girls, and their costumes were like... Walt Disney World costumes. They were terrific. Nice. And my little girls were going nuts. That's cool. I did f- I did find it weird because uh, one of them was Mulan. And we, we live in the suburbs, right? And, and on, on the side of town, it's like 90% white people. Um, all of the kids were flocking to the white princesses. And the Mulan was just sitting off, off to the <laughs> side. Nobody was giving her any attention. Oh, man. Uh, I was like, these racist kids. Every one of them. No, nah, man. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So, that's pretty cool, though. I mean, like, it's cool for the kids. It is cool for the kids. Weird for the adults. So, I remember going to the zoo a, really. a handful of times for Halloween, and they had, like, you know, Halloween shit what going on at the zoo. You, you know, hollow, Halloween shit going on <laughs> to the zoo. Um, but we never had anything like this. This is a whole other level. But it's cool to live in a community that does that kind of thing, puts that kind of shit on. It's, that is you know, cool. Yeah. Cool beans. And my my oldest daughter saw like people that she knew from her class and stuff that were there. That's always cool when you're little and you bump into one of your mates outside of school. You're like, hey, there you are. I didn't feel that way when I was a kid. No? Nah, man. I was not popular in school, man. <laughs> I was like... Uh, Especially in my younger school life. Yeah. As I got older, I was, you know, that was a different story. Yeah, but. yeah. I always liked you. Yeah, you did always like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So I told you last uh, time, we last week when we got together, about that uh, kind of half-dream mystical experience that I had. Remember me telling you about this? Or did I? Yes, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. So I've been trying to recreate it. 
like every night I've been trying to recreate it. And How's that uh, going? Um, I I had a sort of semi interesting experience the other night, but I had like several nights where I tried and just couldn't get anywhere close. I fell asleep, like I fell asleep in the process of trying to recreate that half half sleep half dreaming uh, mystical experience. But I'm kind of fascinated by it now. Now that I since I had that experience, like I'm kind of like fascinated. I I want to recreate it and see if I can like do that you know on command on command like just every night just have a little mystical experience i, want, I don't know man i don't know if it's cool. possible get good at it you never know but i'm i'm seriously fascinated by it how uh so the the experience that you had since how was that what was that like um i wrote something down it's probably gibberish um gibberish so i so i i guess what i do this meditation where i try to quiet my mind and you you know you got like all kinds of things that happen, uh, things that you're worried about or or you know thoughts. And then when they when you quiet those down, then you get like images and flashes of light or shadows or whatever. Anything that is going on in your mind, activity wise, if you just force it to shut up, and if you practice it, you get a little better at it. Um, once I get to that quiet space, then I try to I don't know how to explain this. I try to notice my Awareness. I try to notice the fact that even though I'm not thinking anything, there's nothing going on in my mind, there's still this awareness going on. And I, I concentrate on this perspective that I'm noticing my awareness as if my awareness is something different from me. And then I try to, then I try to like, what I'm trying to do is communicate with that awareness. I'm trying to imagine that it's that my consciousness is not me. Like I'm this ego thing, like I was telling you before the podcast. I'm this ego part of me. And and this awareness part of me, this behind the scenes always on sort of background awareness. I'm trying to imagine it as something different from from me, different from my ego, and I'm trying to communicate with it like it's a like it's another entity. Hmm. And uh because that's what it felt like I did in that dream. So I I tried to do that, and uh, sometimes it's interesting because I notice like these phases of uh, consciousness, these very subtle phase transitions, where when I quiet my mind and I connect with this awareness that I'm trying to describe, it sounds very hippy dippy and weird. There's these moments where it's like I don't know how to describe it. I I, I notice a another level of darkness behind my eyes. It's like when I close my eyes, there's darkness. But then I like, when I connect with this awareness, it's almost like I step into a deeper darkness. I can notice a change, something subtle, that if I wasn't paying attention, I wouldn't notice at all. It's like I go into this other state, this deeper subconscious state. I don't know. It's only momentary. It feels kind of good when it happens. It feels kind of... I don't know how to describe it. It's pleasant, but it's not, it's hard to describe. And then I tried to like make that last longer, and I kept going out of it and going back into that stage. And I I just think there's something to the idea that I'm exploring my my subconscious mind. I'm finding structure in it that I didn't notice before, and it's interesting to me. It's like how much more might I notice about myself if I pay attention. If I quiet myself in a meditative sort of setting and I pay attention to what's going on, there's some real fucking utility to this Buddhist shit. 
about well, about noticing thoughts and feelings and not attaching yourself to them, letting them come and go, and seeing yourself as separate from them. Mm-hmm. Because in our in our regular daily life, we feel entirely connected to our thoughts and feelings. That's what that's what we would call ourselves a collection of thoughts and feelings in a sequence. But when you meditate in that way, you can separate yourself from them. And when you do, it's like, where are those thoughts and feelings come from, coming from? Because they keep coming and going, but I'm over here. I'm over here outside, seeing them come and go. And during the day, when I'm not doing this meditation, I'm, I'm in that, that stream of thoughts and feelings. But now I'm not. And it makes you feel... It makes you question your reality. It makes you, like, what am I if I'm not my thoughts and feelings? What is that awareness, that quiet awareness that's always watching me? And that's how it feels now. It feels like something else. It's weird, like the eye of Sauron. It's the all-seeing eye of God watching me all the time, you know? All the time. All the time, even in the shower, Kyle. It's pretty weird. You know, there's this religious idea, you know, about... um. Uh, the book of whatever they call it, uh, where you know your sins are recorded, right? And yeah. w- and when you die and you go to heaven, you're gonna pull out the tome and say, "Look at all this nasty shit you did." You're gonna go to hell. There's this idea connected to that, uh, like your conscience, that there's a record that so- that God is always watching you. And I think that sense of awareness, that disembodied sense of awareness, the background consciousness that I'm trying to describe, that's that intuition that people are are talking about. There that. Uh, when you feel guilty, you're like, you know, I, I, I did this thing I feel guilty about. I've never told anybody. I got away with it. Why do I feel guilty? Because God is watching. That's what I'm talking about. Something like that, man. And I'm trying to commune with it. And it feels interesting. It feels like I'm exploring some unknown depths of myself. I feel like a conquistador. You know, I feel like a psychonaut, you know. It's yeah. cool. It's an adventure. And it feels safe right now. I'm not sure that it is entirely safe what I'm doing. But like you, you run the risk of like, you know, going crazy or believing something that's just fanciful that's not real. So I'm tr- I'm trying to be careful. I don't know where the how you tell uh when you're stepping over other than just following your intuitions uh, which all sounds very mystical and in woo-woo, you know. Yeah. What do Fuck. you think what do you think about all this? I think it's pretty trippy, man. <laughs> pretty fucking trippy, bro. I I keep I keep getting reminded you know how I told you that I'm noticing these different phases of my subconscious experience, and uh, I literally, when I had that mis- when I had that dream, that half dreaming situation, and I told you that I was like thinking about things, and I was receiving these intuitions, these like waves of intuitions that were like qu- silent, wordless, conceptless epiphanies, and it felt like I had the answer to the question out of nowhere, and I felt like I was communing with this with this. Spirit. I don't know what to say, man. Part of this sounds like a religious mystical experience, and part of it, part of it sounds like a cult magic, you know, uh, Hollywood nonsense. And I, I keep getting reminded of that Steiner guy who I read the the you know I told you about that Steiner guy because he said that if you exercise these psychic organs, if you exercise these these capacities that you don't usually exercise, you will start, they will become more strong, more powerful, and then you'll, they'll start to impact your perception of, of reality. You'll start to get the spiritual perception seeping into the, to the world, and you notice it. You know, that he talks about things like auras and shit like that, which I still don't know about, but hmm. the point is, I feel like maybe I'm 
maybe I've been exercising them by doing this meditation and that some of the stuff I'm noticing and experiencing, maybe it's the fruit of that work, you know? Like I've been doing, I've been doing mind squats, you know? Mind squats. Mm. How's that, Chris Angel? <laughs> mind squats. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll let you know, you know, it, it, as we get together for these podcasts, if anything else happens, it's interesting. But I'm going to keep practicing and see what, see what happens. What if you get to a point where you do that and, like, I don't know. I don't know if, like, it's the ego and the that background awareness becoming one or if it's them separating or what it is, but it, like, you cease to exist yeah. What do you do? Do you still want to do it? Well, I've been I've been there. I've been No, no, I'm talking about like you literally are not here anymore. <laughs> and never coming back? Yeah. Oh boy. That's like when Enoch just gets ripped out of the earth, God exactly. just reaches down and takes you. That's what happened. Um, listen, I would um if I didn't have responsibilities, if I didn't have a family, I would say onward. Onward and upward. Excelsior. You know? Yeah. But I have a family, I got responsibilities, so I have to I have to do what the Buddha did. I have to say, No, heaven. I'm not I'm not coming to you, Nirvana. I'm gonna stay back with all the huddled masses and help them. I'll listen to Nirvana. <laughs> How's that? Um, yeah. So you wouldn't do it? No. But you would if you didn't have a family. <laughs> I I wouldn't resist it. No, I I I wouldn't resist that. One of the things I've learned trying to trying to follow my spiritual in, impulses or whatever is that resistance is uh, futile. You know. Yeah. I, I think that's like metaphorically way more significant than people would seem. Like it's definitely true from the perspective of psychedelic experience. If you try to resist a psychedelic experience, that you're likely to have a bad trip. It's a recipe for disaster. But I also think in you in your in your life that when circumstances change because they're always going to change, you know, you, you get older, shit happens, culture changes, you know, everything changes. Yep. If you resist that change, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that you described with a bad trip. You're, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. You have to go with the flow to a certain a certain degree, uh, to a large degree. It's like when when shit changes, you just have to be adaptable. You just have to, you know. Fight like like my my mom and dad. They had to move, and they were really bitter about it because they're older and uh, it's hard for them. And they just want to be settled. And you know, I don't blame them. Yeah. And all this change, my mom just resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted, and it 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 was contributing to making the family miserable in lots of ways. And it's like it's the moment she let it go and was like, this this will be fine. I'll you know. All that pressure was gone. All the tension was gone. It was like, it was like night and day, you know, and it was all based on her resistance behavior. One person in the family trying to resist like reality, trying to stop the fucking tides from, from coming in. And it was like hell on earth, you know, in a lot of ways. And I know that's symbolic, but I think that's important, man. I think that's one of the ways that psychedelics the lessons from psychedelics translate into fucking the real your real day to day life. Resistance is futile. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Human beings, he, life has been adapting for whatever. I don't know how many billion years they say life's been going on, but life has been adapting ever since it showed up. 
you know? And that's what we do. We adapt. And if, and if you try to resist that, if you try to say, look, I don't want to adapt anymore, it's like, well, then you're not doing what you're fucking here to do, man. What, what, how, how well do you think that's going to go for you? And if you look at old people, you know, that's what happens, man. They stop adapting. And they shrivel up on the vine like a, like a prune. Is that what happens as they stop adapting? Well, if you look at old people who, like, keep fighting... Yeah, you know, like old people that are that stay active and mentally and physically, and like 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 Aunt Linda here, um, she, like I can see the difference between her and her and her husband. It's like he's uh he's oh, man. I, I don't want I know we're on the air here, so I don't want to say anything like I don't want to speak my mind too much here. But uh, want to spill the beans. But he, but he's he's perfectly happy to be sitting on the chair, you know, by himself for as long for as bit large a stretch of the day as possible with no responsibilities nothing being asked of him that's that's perfect for him ideal but his wife is like chasing little kids around and uh you know ch- you know to walk walking him to the bus stop and you know she's constantly going yeah and you can see the spirit in her and you look at him and it's like fucking the the fuel gauge is down to like 20% you don't even see it in his eyes that guy's just waiting to die yeah. And, uh, you know, so I think there's something to that, man. I think uh, I lost, totally lost the thread, but I think there's something to that. Staying active. Mm-hmm. You know, you see these people, they retire and then they're, they're adapt, adapt, adapting. That's what I meant. That's adapt. what we're talking about. Yeah. Adapt, overcome. Adapt and overcome. Exactly. That's what, that's what the evolutionary process is, man. Yeah. It's evolution, baby. It's a Pearl Jam song. Um, how do you think? What do you think about the idea that all creatures are adapting? Right, we're all adapting, so we're all just different versions of this pattern of a- adaptation, changing. You know, like a feedback loop. Of, you know what I mean? But that's also what's happening. Yeah. It's also what's happening with the, the galaxies, and you know what I mean. They're all interacting with each other in the same way. It's like what you've got on every level is a representation of transformation. Adaptation, you see it embodied in a human being, but you see it in a you see it in a scorpion. You see it in the way that Earth has evolved, the way that the cosmos has evolved. Everything is adapting, constantly transforming. So the deepest truth of uh, our reality, because we share it with every level of reality, is transformation. This process of adaptation. That's what this dude here, Alfred North Whitehead, talked about. Process and reality. Pro, pros, he called it process metaphysics or process theology. A God. And his perspective is this process. I'm fascinated by that. Idea. Is there ever an end? No. I don't think so. Yeah. All right. You want to see what I wrote when uh, last night? Yeah. It's probably going to be gibberish, man. I'm embarrassed because I haven't read it since I wrote it. Um, all right. You guys ready for this? Y'all ready for this? It's embarrassing. Nah, 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 bah, bah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hype you up. So I, so I'm laying in, I'm laying in bed. I'm, I'm having one of these conversations with the, with the awareness. I'm trying to. I have this idea. Here it goes. I say, a being, like a, like a being, like an entity, like a human being. A being is a way of being it. A way the absolute experiences itself. There are infinite ways of being it, of being the one thing that is. It is experienced, embodied, embeinged in infinite ways. Infinite forms of being, forms of experience. And then I, and then I have this weird, it's like, um, 
what do you, what do they call that? James Joyce, what did they call that? That the, the way he wrote um, stream of consciousness, right? If you've ever, if you guys have never read James Joyce, you should you should read a paragraph of James Joyce Ulysses just to see what I'm talking about. <sighs> I have to explain this now. Stream of consciousness is what they call it, where he writes the way that you would think. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when people write. It's all structured and organized, and ha- things have to be rewritten and thought about and to make sure that they're structured and they flow right. But that's not the way we think or talk. Like if you transcribed the, what I've said for the last two minutes and then I reread it, you'd be, you'd be like, dude, this guy's all blabbering all over the place. Yeah, yeah. That's how James Joyce writes. Yeah, He writes like wherever his mind takes him, he just jumps around, and the paragraphs are like three pages long with no no periods. Fucking James Joyce, man. So, so this is what this is. The reason I say that is because I said this: infinite forms of being, forms of experience, and then I give examples. Unique sensory qualial representations, unique interrelationships. Qualial. Qualial. Yeah. I'll explain that to you in a minute. Unique interrelationships, unique frames of reference, unique patterns. That's what I wrote. Is that a bunch of gibberish to you? It's a lot of gibberish. It's a yeah. lot of gibberish. I'll tell you what I think it means. Gibberish. What I'm, what I'm getting at, what I'm trying to get at here is I, I said a being is a way of being it, right? What, what that means is, and there's, and there's an infinite number of ways of being. You could be the way of being a planet, the way of being a frog, the way of being a quantum field. Being has all sorts of ways it is, and we can see that in what we can see around us, and likely there's all sorts of other ways of being extra dimensionally that we, have no, we know nothing about, or even levels of scale smaller than like our cellular and molecular and all that there's ways of being a molecule and we don't even know what that's like we have no idea what that means and the point i'm making here is all the different ways of being are ways of being it and i put in it in parentheses there's only one thing i call that consciousness right there's only one thing that's the thing i call god or consciousness and every way of being is a way of being it god consciousness so everything that exists patterns overlaying other patterns all of those patterns are different ways of being different ways of being god different ways of god embodying itself as a material cosmos so and they're all they're all interacting with each other the molecules the atoms the planets the dimensions space and time and you and me and everything else all of us are are different ways of being god all interacting with itself that's a process I call self-consciousness. God, you know, experience God. Consciousness, experiencing consciousness. And I'm constantly toying with this idea. I've said it a million times. This is just another way of saying it. And it caught me last night as significant. Like what I, what I was focusing on, what I was trying to understand is that all the things that exist are, are different expressions of God. Something like that. But the, the underlying thing is the same. And I've said that a million different times in a million different ways, but that's the way it hit me last night. And I literally got out of bed and, you know, even though I was like half asleep and wrote that down because I thought it was, I thought I needed to remember it. You it know? was good. Yeah. It, it was to the benefit. That was, that's good. So if that makes any sense at all to anyone, there you go. I think it makes sense to some people. Um, there are some people that hear that and go, this guy's lost his mind or he's speaking nonsense there's no value in that it's it's you know unintelligible and then there's other people that hear that and think 
he's trying to describe something something profound. And I don't know what it is, but I can tell there's something there that that's real. And I think those are the two different kinds of people in the world. You know, I don't know like how to describe that exactly, but those two buckets are everyone in the world falls into one of those two buckets. Which one do you fall into, Kyle? I don't know, man. Both of them. I fall into both of the buckets. Trying to, you're, you're spilling over from one bucket into the other? I got like one foot in one bucket, one foot in the other. Mm. Yeah. That's my, hippie, that's my hippie bit for the day. Yeah. So I went to that Catholic school thing oh, again yeah. Yeah. on Monday. With, um, with your buddy? No, Joe? no, okay. I was by myself this time. Uh, well, I mean, with the other members of the class, but by myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they were talking about divine revelation. Yep. Which you were just kind of talking about almost in a way. Yeah, I think so. You know? What, what did they say about it? They're just talking about how God communicates with you and how you know things are right and things like that. Mm. See, that's interesting you say that. Hold that, in, hold that in your mind. Because uh, when I said to you that I'm trying to commune with that awareness part, um, one of the things that comes to, to my mind is like, uh, well, Jordan Peterson, he described uh, his conscience as being this power, this force that he feels, this critique. He feels like a, he feels like a critique um, subconsciously if he says something he doesn't believe. And when he was a younger man, when he was an academic trying to make his way in the world, he was conforming himself to that scenario, that situation. And he was finding himself like saying things he didn't really believe. And every time it happened, he would feel this pain. He would feel this, he would notice something inside him and was saying, you don't believe that. You know, you don't believe that. And it started really nagging at him, nagging at him. And then after a while, he just decided, I want to see what would happen if I just never let myself feel that way. If I never say something that I don't believe, and I never say something that makes me feel weak, that those are the two things that he points to. If you say something that makes you feel weak, or if you say something that you don't believe, and just stop doing those things. And I thought to myself that if I was communing with this awareness, that it, it might become strong enough in me that I would feel those sorts of feelings. You know, not not I'm not saying I don't have a conscience. Of course I have a conscience, but to feel like I was getting a message from the deepest part of myself, you know, clear as day that said, you don't believe that. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I get attracted by ideas and I don't know if I believe them or if I'm just fascinated by them. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and what makes you, how do you make that decision? Hmm. That's a good question. Sometimes there are like new ideas that make me certain about something that I wasn't before. Like, oh, you know, that I guess that was bullshit after all. That happened to me a lot. Even like I brought this up uh, when I, we did a podcast. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Um, but I, I read notes from my mystic experience. I read the notes from it. Yeah. And, uh, and I told you during that podcast that there were things that I wrote down then that I no longer think are true now. And they were things that came to me in what you would, might call revelation. I would call revelation. Yeah. It's like if I got a revelation, that should be that should be that should be gold. That should be, you know, unquestionable, right? But there are parts of it where I'm like, no, 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 that's not right. And I know what happened. 
when I was writing those ideas down, I didn't have the words exactly. I, ha I didn't have the concepts exactly. They weren't conceptual yet. They were feelings. And I was trying to make them concept conceptual. And I made mistakes when I wrote them down. It wasn't that, you know, the, the revelation was false. It was that I didn't capture it right. And I noticed it. And that's a weird thing to say, man, because I didn't used to have intuition. I didn't believe in it. And now I do. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain it to people. But when I'm reading my own words... And I'm like, oh, I what I meant. exactly. I'm like, oh, no, that's not that's not right. That's expressing the wrong idea. I, I know that in a week in, in, in my soul. I don't know how to fucking describe it. Yeah. I have an intuition that that's wrong. And I it's I don't question that. You know, I'm like, I know that I'm that's wrong. Yeah. And that's strange because it because revelations are like that. Re revelations that become religions are written down and. You know, people make this criticism all the time. Human beings wrote them down. If the if the message is divine, it very very well might be. But that doesn't mean the words are perfect. You know, yeah. doesn't mean there's only one interpretation. I don't know. Um, divine revelation. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that. This book here, Primitive Revelation, this was written by a Catholic priest, Wil oh. Wilhelm Schmidt. Oh, okay. He, he talks about tribal religions, ancient religions, like from Native American tribes and Australian tribes and th people like that. And he talks about how their religions are evidence of ancient revelations to these to these people. And he talks about how there are parallels in those revelations between modern Christianity and these ancient tribal religions. Very interesting, man. That is pretty interesting. So what was interesting... Uh, about this discussion of primitive or of uh, of divine revelation, um, you know, it's just interesting seeing, you know, th these have been the first two classes, so there's still like um, no commitment yet, you know, so they're just like giving you information about the church and what it believes, um, and they were just saying that you know God, it's not like God is going to be speaking directly to you, you know. Uh, generally does that through these forms of divine revelation which one of them uh the priest described is just clarity you know like you mm. just god will grant you clarity on some subject you'll just know what you're mm. supposed to do that's interesting yeah yeah have you been there yeah i've experienced yeah. that where you've been like unsure and then suddenly so something just, happens or way get to some point and you're like nope i'm not i'm no longer unsure i'm doing this yeah yeah that's interesting. I can see that. But there are lots of atheists that would look at that and say, oh, you're grasping for straws, Catholics. Yeah, who gives a shit what they say? I mean, <laughs> but I know, you know what you mean, yeah. 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 What else? Um, was peace, signs. Was peace one of them? Um, I don't remember peace okay. being one yeah. of them. Signs? Signs. Like? Signs from God. Like, like there's an eclipse and we know that shit's Some, going something down. Something like that, I guess. Okay, signs. I guess an eclipse, I guess, totally could be a sign. Yeah. It's a sign that the moon is passing in front of the it, sun. It is a sign of that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember any of the other ones? Um, scripture. Scripture, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember anything do they, else. Do that they, might have been it. Do they, do, they permit, um, do they permit the idea that revelations continue? Like, you know, you might get one. Are you allowed to have a revelation if you're a Catholic? I think so. Do, um. Do you have an opportunity in those classes to like 
ask difficult questions and get I into think, things? Yeah, yeah. I will. I mean, I've I've asked one question so far, but it wasn't particularly deep mm-hmm. or uh, you know, yeah, anything. Yeah, interesting. So the idea that God doesn't necessarily speak to you, you're not, you know, you're going to speak to God, or you're not going to, He's not going to speak back. You know, like first of all, I agree with that. But what's happening to me now is making me change my perspective on things. I, I said before that when I'm commu- when I'm communing, whatever this means, when I had my first mystic experience, that's what I was doing. I was communing with my, this uh, background consciousness. I don't know how else to say it. I was I was asking questions. I was getting answers. It was flowing freely between us. Like it was easy. It was this. It was this dialogos, man. It was beautiful. Um, and I get I get off into these passionate descriptions, and then I lose my fucking thread all the time. Yep. I just want you guys to know what I'm feeling. I'm trying to communicate my my what I feel. You know, where was I going with this? Um, oh, that uh, just about how you how you commune with with God or with Spirit or with whatever whatever however, whatever word you want to say. That when when this thing's happening that I'm describing this this discourse, I'm not hearing words. You know, it's. It's 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 something that's happening before concepts are possible. It's like free flow of information, kind of. Um, there's probably more to like talk about in there, but um, if things strike you as interesting, you know, something pulls your attention, something becomes interesting to you. That to me is God speaking to you. It's like a spirit tapping you on the shoulder and say, "Look at that." That's important. I'm not going to tell you what's important about it, but I'm going to make it interesting to you so that you go fucking examine it because there's something there that is worthwhile. Because we can't, we have no explanation for why something is interesting to us or why it's not. It's interesting to you on this deep, deep, intuitive level, instinctual level. The universe is calling to you and saying, there's something here for you to know. That's how I, that's, that's God speaking to you as far as I'm concerned. Um, so interests are, are are one way that God should you indulge every interest. Y- yes, um, yes. I mean, indul- indul- yes, indulge is not the word I would use. You should explore every interest. And the thing about interests is that they're not just "ooh, I like this." Sometimes they're, "Oh, that's disgusting." Why is that disgusting? Why are you reacting like that? You must figure that out, right? You have to figure that out. You know, if there's disgust sensitivities, what the psychologists call that. There's something interesting to you, but it's negative. Still interesting. You have, you have to figure out what it is that is, is, is bringing your consciousness, drawing your consciousness to it. Hmm. It's a lot to think about. It's interesting. But I also think that there's a revelation. And it's kind of like what I was talking about with that dialogue with, a, with God or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, that I... I am thinking, all I'm doing is thinking, you know, silently. I'm not thinking with words, I'm just, thoughts are just flowing into my head. Thoughts and ideas and pictures. And, I'll, and, I, and I experience these epiphanies, is the best way I can describe it, that, that is like resolving whatever it is I'm contemplating. I've got all these ideas flowing in, and I get this epiphany that says, no, this is the right idea. And even using those words is wrong. It doesn't say, this is the right idea. It doesn't say anything. My my mind just grasps a hold of the one, and I know it's right. 
because I have an intuition of it. I have a feeling. It all sounds very fucking weird and very unscientific. But that, that is a, is a, a way that, that God speaks to you. And it's, it's that inner dialogue. It's that inner dialogue that, that you have or, or the deeper levels of the, like what I'm trying to describe. That's, that's comes in the form of waves of epiphany and intuition. It all sounds very fucking hokey, but, but I mean it. But I mean it. And if nobody, if nobody ever told you that those are experiences of, of your deepest self, of, of, of your spirit of God or whatever, if nobody told you that, then you could just be like any other atheist and br- bl- brush those things off. Dreams are another example. It's a great example because people brush off dreams as though they're nonsense. But then there's a certain group of people out there that talk about not only are they significant, they're supremely significant. You know, And you can write off something like that, like, a, like a, probably an atheist would do, and say that's all random electrochemical behavior and no meaning and blah, 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 blah. It, meanwhile, other people are, you know, divining your future from it. You know, it's like, I don't know. Help me out here, Kyle. Uh, that is, that is interesting. I do, I mean, as far as the dreams go, I do think that there is like a random quality to them for sure. But well, you say that, but I bring up Jordan Peterson again. Jordan Peterson says there's absolutely nothing random about dreams. I don't know about that, man. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, it's like it's like it could be static, but it's it's forms and images and behavior sure. and flow of time. It's structured. You know, okay. that's not random, right? That's not random. That's very. Structure. No, but when you're driving down the freeway in a car and you look over and there's like a a boat on the freeway, that's kind of random. It is. It is. I, I agree. So it's not completely unrandom. Well, you know, what you wouldn't call it random though. You would call it uh, out of place. I guess you call it strange. You wouldn't call it. You wouldn't call it. Maybe you, would, you maybe you would call it random, but not in like a statistical meaning. I think it happens often enough in dreams that it's kind of random. The other thing that's weird about dreams is that you're often you're like an observer in a dream. True. Even though the whole world and sequence of events that's happening, you're you're physically generating, and yet you're observing it as though you're a third party. It's weird, man. The dream world is coming out of your brain. Right, if you believe, if you believe materialist science, that's what's going on, and yet you experience it as though you're a fly on the wall. That's weird, man. That is weird. Inception, bro. Yeah, I'd like to talk to somebody who's a lucid dreamer. I would like to be a lucid dreamer. Did I ever tell you about my ex-wife's dad? He used to tell me about the dreams that he would have. They were serial dreams. So every night, yeah, you did tell me about that. Yeah. It would just continue night after night after night. I've never, ever had anything like that. I've had recurring dreams where I've, I'll have a similar dream like over and over, but I've never had a dream pick up where the last one left off the next day. Never. Yeah, I almost want to call bullshit on that. But, you know, I try not to be too cynical. Hopefully he's being honest. But that seems... I mean, he, he seems like he was being honest. Yeah? Yeah. That's crazy. I, I don't know. I don't know what benefit he would he would gain from lying about it. It's but. just a cool story, you know. It's a cool story. 
got a like what, what kind of what kind of dreams were they? Is he like James Bond in these dreams? No, I no, I don't, I don't think so. I can't really remember the details. It's been a long time, man. I can't I can't really remember the details. It wasn't like having sex with a bunch of ladies or no, anything. If it was something memorable like that, I would remember it. You'd think, yeah. <laughs> Mr. B. <laughs> <clears throat> That's funny as hell. Satan, Satan, lend me a dollar. <laughs> oh boy. Uh so I'm going to the Browns game today. Oh no shit. Yeah. Yeah, the wife's boss gets tickets and so every now and then we get to go. We're Sweet going today. Dude. Yeah. Just you and the the lady? Just me and the lady. Yeah. Well, here's the trick, man. It's like we can we're gonna take an Uber and Uber. these tickets are like good tickets, like corporate tickets. A rich guy bought them, and that means a couple things. It means that the means a couple things. <laughs> it means the tickets are good. First Listen of here, all, that means a couple it things. Mean, write this down. It <laughs> means that the food and drinks are free, which Boom. is which is cool. And it's an open bar. It's not like you know you, you can drink all the beer you want. It's like any drink you want, the bartender will make you, and it's free. And there's like sushi and charcuterie boards and all kinds of shit. It's like it's cool. You know, and you got this little part of the, uh, you got this little part of the, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's a private area. Only, only you can get in with your wristband. It's cool, man. VIP area. So we're going to, so we're going to have that. So we're going to go a little early. Um, Tie one on. We know a couple people who are going to be there. So we nice. might, we might be able to be a little social and tie one on. But he, And it's so, it, and we don't have an opportunity to do this kind of thing often. So it's like, you, you have a tendency to like want to cut cut loose and like make it worth it but at this point in my life i will pay for that yeah and even if i don't go crazy if i'm drinking for four hours even if i'm even if i'm a good boy and i'm drinking like light beer when i get home i'm gonna be exhausted if i drink beer for four hours i am exhausted dude it it, it takes it out of me man and then i have to then i have to give baths and make dinner it's like all that it's a fucking disaster it's like um, I took the last three days off work so that I could paint. I've been painting on the in, in the inside of the house, and I know that if I take three days off work, I will pay for that. When I come back, I'm gonna have a thousand emails. I'm not kidding yeah. you. I'm gonna spend all day the first day I get back just trying to catch up. Yeah. So taking time off is something that is you pay for it. You fucking pay for it in my job. Um. So that's the situation. That's the situation I'm in. I guess. Um, I lost my train of thought again. Happens. I get all I get all fiery and then I get lost in my own head. Yeah, you were talking about drinking wiping you out. Yeah, it wipes you out, man. So I got responsibilities and I can't. I have to play this uh, balancing act. I want to go. I want to have fun, but I can't go too far overboard because I don't want to be drunk when I get home and I don't want to be tired. So it's like I've been strategizing about it. I'm like, yeah. so here's what you're gonna do, Chris. You're gonna get you're gonna get as drunk as possible quickly. Right, and the early part, first quarter, you're gonna be super drunk, and then from then on, from then on, you're just gonna slowly sober up until by the fourth quarter, you're you're sober as a judge. That's that's the tactic I think I'm gonna try. That's some maneuvering. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Do you have a better suggestion? No, because the one might argue you could just catch a mild buzz and just nurse it, you know, all the way, all, all the way. And I could do that, but I run the risk of being exhausted if I do. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a tough decision. Yeah. I had a pitcher of sangria last night. Oh, shit. Yeah, man. Where at? 
hilarities. Oh. We, we went and saw Dan Soder. Do you know who Dan Soder Dude, is? Dude, hold on, man. I asked you what's going on, what's new. You don't tell me you saw a comedian? I told you. I tied tell you on the podcast oh, okay uh dan soder <laughs> i doesn't ring a bell uh he's hilarious yeah. he was fucking he was great he that might be the best stand-up set i've i've seen he, it was really? great he was so good nice like the the crowd was just into it was it packed? we were really close to was it packed um it was full yeah it was a full show who, who all went me, Corey, Colin, and this guy Mark that I used to work at with that we all basically all of us yeah. used to work with at Gales. Just a bunch of dudes and a pitcher of sangria. I had the pitcher of sangria. Oh, just to yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I would have shared it if anyone wanted it, but it was but, delicious. But you're, all, but you're glad that they didn't want it. I am glad that they didn't yeah. want it. Yeah. yeah, I bought it with the intention of drinking the whole thing. How drunk were you after the pitcher of sangria? Not that drunk. Yeah. Yeah, not that drunk. That was good sangria, though. Mm, red? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was Dan Soder. Uh, man, I cannot remember the other guys' names, but they were funny. Both of them were funny. Two two openers? Yeah, yeah. one of them was, a, I think, a local a person or something. Yeah, one of them, the guy who opened was uh, a Cleveland guy. The middle guy, I think, was from New York, too, where Dan is from. Yeah. But yeah, it was fucking hilarious. Mm. Did a really good um, Dave Chappelle impression. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Impressions are impressions. People like impressions, man. Impressions are so funny. If you can do them really well, people really like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's like that monkey imitation impulse, and we're just so, such primates. We just still clap whenever we see it. We're like, yes, you did a great job imitating. You know, because yeah. that's how we learn. We imitate. You know, true. Got all those positive feedback chemicals when we successfully imitate, you know. True. True. Mirror neurons. Any uh, yeah, mirror neurons. Yeah. <laughs> any any uh, interesting political anything on the political front you want to talk I've about? Man, I've been not paying that much attention. I just um. Good for you, man. It yeah. It's just the closer we get to the election, the more I just like. Uh, the the weed thing was interesting. Oh yeah, it was interesting. I don't think it really matters at all, but yeah, I mean, people are gonna get released from prison, right? No, 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 nobody is in jail. I mean, I don't. Maybe it, maybe a few people, but yeah. I just I just don't anticipate it's gonna be. Oh, because it's only possession, right? It was only yeah. Possession. You don't really get. It, was, like, it wasn't trafficking that he, he right? It was just possession that he that Biden said he would he would forgive. Yeah, okay, exactly. So that's just like people with dime bags. They're not in jail for dime bags. Right? Yeah, nobody's in jail. Nobody's in prison, and nobody's in nobody is in federal prison for you know possession. That's simple a good, possession. That, that's a really good point. Um, and it's only federal, right? Because he he said he he uh, encourages the states to do the same, but but yeah. it's this is doesn't include state. Crimes, federal. only federal crimes. He did say that he would uh, consider, or he would have people look into reclassifying it, which is interesting. That, that's good, yeah. But I mean, but it's, it's all—it's a, it, a symbolic gesture, is what he—what he, just what for he did. The, the the elections, it's just yeah. like dangling treats, you yeah, know. Yeah, the me, the media said it was like a, a first step towards decriminalization or whatever, and Biden wants to get credit for being the guy that took the first step toward that, something like that, you something know, something like that. Yeah, it's. Fucking Joe Biden, man. That's hogwash. You see, uh, did you watch Shane Gillis' stand-up special? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, man, you got to. What's, what's it on? 
It's on YouTube. Okay. Oh, and, YouTube, uh, and it's yeah. fucking hilarious, man. It's great. I do like Shane Gillis. Um, he said that he thinks that Joe Biden would be the first president that you could punch assassinate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, you seen man. that video of that? Uh, I'm sure there's been more than one of them, but there's this one video of this. Uh, I don't know if he's a homeless guy, but he might be on a subway in New York. And he's just like cold cocking people from behind. He just oh, he just he just been punching people for no reason when they're not expecting it. And they they were caught this one uh, security camera video of uh, he's just this like looks like a middle aged black guy. And he walks up and there's like a white dude's facing the other direction. I don't know maybe he was talking on the phone. He's just standing there and he just hooks him whack just hooks him with all of his weight and just not. I mean he fucking leveled him. Then the guy just stands there after he hit him, just stands there like nothing like nothing happened. Um, but that would that that I don't, if you haven't seen the video, the context is missing. But that sort of punch would take Biden out for sure. One of them, <laughs> one of them, one of them subway hooks from one the homeless guy. Hooks. Oh yeah, man, dude. yeah, over. That's fucking funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's terrifying. It's but. terrible. It's people, man. There's something. There's some something wrong with the culture, man. There's something eating at it. Well, yeah. I mean, that guy's obviously fucked up. I don't know, dude. Fucked up. But um, speaking of Shane Gillis, uh, my brother the other day told me that he was... Because, you know, Trevor Noah is stepping down at The Daily Show. I never saw one episode of his Daily Show. I saw clips, but yeah. I, yeah um, you know, it, it didn't look good. Because he sucks, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he announced that he was going to leave. So, obviously, they're going to try to find a new host. And uh, my brother told me that Shane Gillis was going to do it. And that would be great. It would be great. Because, I mean, it's not like Shane Gillis is, like, a, a super far-right guy or anything like that. But he, he, he'll he be honest about stupid shit that liberals say. Oh, yeah, you know? he's going to make fun of everybody. Uh, and I was really hoping it was true, but it's not. It was just a joke. They should. You know what John? Yeah, I'm hoping that like people showed enough interest when they th- they thought it was that maybe like maybe we should do yeah, it. Yeah, and maybe they should consider that. Yeah, um, it's funny you bring that up because this morning when I turned on the TV, I, uh, the icon was sitting on um, HBO, I think HBO Max, and uh, John Stewart has a, has a talk show on HBO. Did you know that? Yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen clips. Okay. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it would be worth watching uh, towards the end. Of He's, of the Daily Show, John Stewart was pretty terrible, yeah, pretty terrible, yeah. pretty co opted and pretty fucking terrible. I mean, he says things now that I, you know, that I don't hate, but he also says things that I do hate. So you know, but uh, <laughs> what's to be expected? Yeah, it's to be. People are complex. To be expected. Well, yeah, I mean, I just a lot of the stuff that he says that I disagree with is to be expected too. I mean, he's a he's a celebrity. He's a, a rich. Hollywood celebrity. I really hope that uh, Comedy Central would learn the lesson that CNN learned that their that their like posi- political position um, being so in your face is actually harming their broad appeal. You know, it's like if you if you dude, comedy has broad appeal. People like to laugh. People like jokes. Why would you? Why would you s- sacrifice potentially half your audience so that you could be super liberal on a comedy network? You know, that's what that's what Tre- Trevor Noah was a failure. 
because he's because he's you know because he just picked up the banner that uh, John Stewart left at the end of his of his uh, tenure there. Yeah, he turned it into a political hack job, and Trevor Noah said, "Oh, more of that, okay." The best at that show that show type was Colbert. Man. Oh, absolutely, he was so good in the early days. Colbert was fantastic. Now it's it's abysmal. He's, oh, he's terrible. He's the worst. He's like might be the worst. I wonder if he knows that. I wonder if he knows. I wonder if he if he thinks back on the days of the Colbert Report and like misses it. I wonder. I don't know, man. But that Stephen Colbert was a great character. Yeah. Now he's himself and he sucks. Sucks. Um, all those late night guys now suck, though. I mean, are there any good ones? Who are the late people? It's like you have to go to the internet. None of the TV ones are good. Jimmy Kimmel, give me a fucking no. break. What, what about Fallon? Fallon, I don't hate as much as some people do, but he's still not really good. I think Conan and Fallon were the ones that most recently people appreciated. Conan but. is the, yeah, I, I have some love for Conan. Mm. I mean, I never really watched any late night. What? Uh, no, never. What? No, I didn't watch Letterman. I didn't watch none of it. None of Man, it. that's crazy. Dude. Letterman's my favorite. He's he's the best one. So last night, sorry to change the subject. All right. Sometimes I, if I get it to into a certain state of mind, uh, I'll leave that. I'll leave that for between the lines for you guys. Uh, I'll put on terrible television and just mm. enjoy the shit out of it. Like what kind of terrible television are we There's, talking about? Well, one one show, it's not the one I turned on last night, but one show I really enjoy that's terrible. It's called Merlin. Merlin. Yeah, I think you can still find it on Netflix. It's like a BBC it's a it's a maybe it's not, but it's a British uh British actors and it's like a low budget sci fi channel mini series type type of deal about about Merlin. It's like uh it's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And I, if I get into a particular state of mind, I just enjoy it. I just really enjoy it. I watch one terrible episode after the next. All so right. so yesterday, I'm flipping through, looking, trying to look for something like that, and I see Buffy the Vampire Slayer, oh. Sarah Michelle Gellar. I was like, Sarah, oh. back when Sarah Sarah Michelle Gellar was hot as the surface of the sun, and it was like 1998 or something. And I turned that thing on, and it was so bad. It was like one of those cheesy horror you know teeny bopper uh shows like it was so bad and it was early so like uh david boreanis was in it as that character angel i'm pretty sure and then angel became a spinoff uh show and then david boreanis became really successful he went on to do bones and then a bunch of other stuff uh so he's you know this was when he was just a when that actor was just a supporting actor and he was a kid and it reminds me of being a kid because that's when it, this show aired the clothes, the hair, the references, the dialogue, all just so bad it's good. Yeah. So bad it's good. I could only watch one episode even in the state of mind that I was in. I could only deal with one episode, but I enjoyed it, man. It was so bad. That's pretty funny. Fucking so bad. Yeah, I remember Buffy the Vampire. I never watched I never really watched it Dude, back in the day. But. I didn't either, but I saw bits and pieces. Yeah. The best part the best part of the show is Buffy starts <laughs> Buffy starts, she's in a new high school. Right? New city, new high school. And she goes to the library. And the librarian's this weird British guy and he like kinda confronts her in this weird way and it scares her at first. And she's like the uh the the, the uh, librarian is like her sage guide like the guy that like 
has all the information to help her fight vampires and like oh yeah and and the backstory for him is so great he was a uh, he was the what the director of the British Museum and he left that job and moved to the small town in America to be the librarian of a high school <laughs> that's why and that's why he's so brilliant and knows everything and why he has a British accent but he went there specifically to find the Slayer so he could help her got it you know he's like her uh, her Michael Caine okay what's what's Batman's guy uh, Butler's Alfred. name Alfred he is her Alfred all but right. he's also like Sherlock Holmes and he's all he's like Sherlock Holmes meets like a magician he's awesome sounds awesome Sherlock Holmes meets Indiana Jones that's what he is Sounds terrible. No, that's what I want to be, dude. Well, I mean, that actually does sound like a cool job description, but that show I, doesn't sound. Really no, good. it was terrible. Listen, man, if you were a uh, if you were Sherlock Holmes beats Indiana Jones, would you work at a high school as a librarian? Maybe. Depends on what I was, you know, Indiana Jonesing for. <laughs> dude, he he picks up this book from behind the counter and he puts it on the desk for uh, Buffy. And it's this old leather tome, and it says vampire on it, like spelled spelled in the European way with a Y. Yeah. You know, and it was just so cheesy. Do you remember the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Of course, man. That was, that was my, that was more <laughs> up my alley. That movie was, TV show. that movie was terrible and it's way, great, way better than this show. This show is yeah. so bad, man. Man, that movie is pretty good. <sighs> I just also, remember. that was like, uh. Some pretty hot ladies in that movie. From yeah. When I was, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, ooh. Yeah. What did Buffy do? I think she, did she do, in, the actress, she do anything else? I don't remember. I think she was in, like, Maxim. I remember that. Something. Yeah, what was her name? Yeah. Shout out to Matthew. Matthew knows her name. He's I yelling. Know he He's does. yelling it right now. I know he does. <laughs> Fuck, man. All right. Now let me look it up. It's, it's not Christy Brinkley. That's the lady with, I almost said Ted Nugent. Not Ted Nugent. Buffy. Chuck Norris. Oh, 1992 was that film. And her name, and she is a pretty girl. Her name is, pretty girl name, Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. Let's see, what did Christy Swanson do? Oh, she looks like she's still around. She did The Chase. You remember that with, uh, with, uh, with, what's his face? No. Oh, dude. She was in The Phantom, 1996. Swanson. She was in Dude, Where's My Car, circa 2000. Oh, okay. Swanson reminds me of Dumb and Dumber. It's like, slippy, slappy, <laughs> <laughs> Samsonite. I was way off. It's actually Swanson. All right. Go. Slippy, slappy. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Jim Carrey. He's the best. He is the best. Seriously, I, I, Jim Carrey is a, a a national treasure, and he's a Canadian, isn't he? He's a Canadian national treasure. Yep. Yeah. Canadian became a national treasure in America. Yep. Yep. It's inspiring. Um, he's a little crazy, but he spoke he out against uh, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, so that was good. What did he say? He said that it was appalling. Mm. It was. I still I still not convinced that that wasn't set up, but you know I don't know. What do I know? Yeah, it might have been. Publicity stunt. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't make Will Smith look good. If I was Will Smith, I wouldn't have agreed to that stunt. Yeah. Um, but who gives a shit? I got I got a pee, dude. Um, I do have a, I do have another topic that I want to ask you about. I started talking about this right before the podcast. It's it's this uh, 
I don't know how to frame this. You know how, um, uh, this is probably not a good way of framing it. Well, I, I put it this way. If I encounter some new, you know, like activity or idea or something that's intriguing to me, um, if it's intriguing enough, I'll dive right into it. I'll get deep. That's what I've been doing with the Carl Jung stuff. I pointed to this big stack of books. Um, I, I read shitloads of Jung. I wrote I, shitloads um, because I just, there's something to it. It's, I was the same way with Jordan Peterson. When I first encountered him, I just absorbed as much of it as I could. I was obsessive about it. Um, so I've been doing that with the Carl Jung stuff and the depth psychology stuff. And I have this tendency of when something I get uh, introduced to something like that and I like it then I just because it has some appeal to me I, I just have this tendency to want to accept it wholesale I'm like yes this is it this is this is the next step for me this is the missing piece I needed to move my thinking forward I want to ad adapt it adopt it all and uh, and then slowly over a course of time uh, I'll realize that I like I'm too optimistic you know, I'm like, I wasn't being realistic. Not, doesn't have the answers to everything. Not everything. I got to pull back. And then I had to go through this like remorseful process of, of like turning someone like young from a prophet into a smart guy, you know? <laughs> and I have to reconceptualize the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. That's been happening to me lately with, uh, with Carl Jung. Can he still be a prophet though? Yes. Can he? Yes. It's like uh, this goes back to that uh, all that Steiner stuff, but it's like um, what they say in the occult is that you're only that you're you're only exposed to the next level up in the spiritual journey, the spiritual path. You're only exposed to that when you're ready for it. So that you have to be prepared to 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 whatever that means you have to be prepared before you can you can take the next leap and uh the, I, something like that rings true to me about it it's like um i needed to understand young before i could understand whatever's next i don't know what i don't know what what next is but i think this alfred north whitehead might be the next thing i read yeah yeah and it's it's interesting too because you take all that information you learn you t it it becomes part of the context for everything else that you that you learn and it's like my choice of who, I don't know, see, I don't know if it's a choice entirely, but my interests get drawn, let's say, to Carl Jung. Uh, I don't know. See, that's another question. Is that random? Is it coincidental? Or is it is it necessary for me? You know, did did conscious, did my consciousness draw my attention to Jung? And I dove in because I did go from Peterson to Jung, right? And Peterson was a, was a student of Jung. Um. Yeah, it's also interesting. Uh, I talked about this on one of my Plato podcasts, where Plato was talking about one of the dialogues, talking about a guy that was a a, a, a fan of Homer. I think Homer, one of the poets, and he said, "Why do you like Homer, but not none of the other poets?" And uh, the guy said um, uh, that it spoke to him, you know. And Plato tried to describe it by saying the spirit that inspired Homer that made him write the Iliad and the Odyssey, that you love so much, the reason you love them and not the other poets isn't because you like the Iliad and the Odyssey. It's because the spirit that was in Homer is in you. So you share this spirit. And uh, why was I telling you this? Um, shit. 
Oh, this the so that's the spirit that passes from the, from Homer to this this guy, and that's you could you could see that the spirit that was in Jung went to Peterson, and through Peterson came to me. So it's like this thread that connects us is a spirit is of common interest, mm-hmm. and that's not something we have control over. It's it's. You could say it's random, or you could say it's fate, or you could whatever you want to say. But you certainly don't get to choose what you're interested in. And there's some interesting idea there, like there's a spirit that went from Jung to Peterson to me in a real way, in some real way. That's true. Yeah. And where does that spirit? Where did that spirit? Where did Jung get it? Jung got it from Nietzsche. And where did Nietzsche get it? Nietzsche got it from you know I don't know who Nietzsche got it from. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it goes all the way back, all the way back to the first human being that. That had the first, you know, philosophical idea about being, you know. That's crazy. It is crazy because uh. because before it was a quest for a for a an answer about being. It was the it was a the quest for nutrients. And when I was a single cell organism, it's like the same patterns that you're following, something like that, you know. And it's just weird, fractal, magical. That's the kind of shit I fucking love. Those weird visuals, you know. The spirit that goes from me to Peterson to Jung to, to Nietzsche to the first human being to the first single cell organism looking for looking for nutrients. I'm still. What does Peterson call human beings? He, he calls us knowledge f- information foragers. That's what we are. Yeah. You know. Would you debate somebody um, on these types of things? I would love to have a conversation with somebody who disagreed with me about it. Absolutely, yeah. as long as it was civil. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be. Uh, you know, I'll try to get you on Jay Dyer's show. Uh, you probably don't know who Jay Dyer uh, is. But. I did see uh, a oh, couple. Really? A couple of Jay Dyer things. Um, I would talk to Jay, uh, but this, so I have two. I have two perspectives all the time that I have to remember. I'm either teaching or learning. Always, I'm either teaching or learning. With someone like Jay, I have a lot to learn. I can know that because he's got a, obviously deep knowledge of, you know, uh, the roots of Christianity and scripture and, you know, Catholic and Orthodox religion and all that. He, I, I've seen enough Jay Dyer to know that he's got that background. I've, I would be doing a lot of learning. There's a lot of shit I don't know. But what, what's not clear to me about Jay is that he would, he would learn from me, mm-hmm. whether he would allow himself to learn from me. I think he would bulldoze me, you know? Probably. And I would not think that he's one. The yeah. audience might. I, I would think he's not here to have a conversation. When I saw Jay Dyer uh, interview a guy, it was a, a British white dude who was a Muslim apologist. Okay. And he was not nice to the guy. He bulldozed over Jay him. Jay Dyer wasn't yeah, nice? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't come across as a as a, a seeker of truth. He comes across as a, as a, um, a man with a hammer, you know? Okay. Yeah, I can see that in Jay. But that was just one impression. I only saw the one, the one video, one interview of his. Yeah, and I, I tweeted at him about it. I told him, oh, yeah? I told him it was my first, it was my introduction to him, and I wish he would have let the guy talk more because he he would have hung himself. But but Jay didn't let him speak a lot. He just wanted to hang him. Yeah, yeah. You he know, wanted to dunk on him. And first of all, that's not very Christianly, you know. And Jay's coming across as a apologist for Christianity, and that's not. It, it it wasn't a good first impression. Is all I'm trying getting, to tell you. We're getting hot content right now. Chris is calling out Jay Dyer. <laughs> I would I would talk to him for sure, but I don't think he would want to talk to me. 
because you have to both be willing to learn and teach. And I have things to teach. Certainly Jay does. But I don't know whether he's the guy, the kind of guy that, that has room to learn. I'm a big fan of Jay Dyer. Um, I, I, I can say that about him, though. He's he's very smart, and he knows he's very smart. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think. He's also very sure about things. And yeah. And that's the dangerous part. Being smart is dangerous, but being sure is way more dangerous. Because if you're sure, then you have no you have no reason to learn, right? If you're sure, you already know. Because you got nothing to teach me. And that's a dangerous, that's a, that is a, uh, maniacal arrogant thing that's a satanic thing you know yeah uh, i mean that symbolically but you know what i mean or if anybody who listens to this if you've ever seen jay dyer's videos he's he does his videos in his office and behind him there's tons of books the dude reads a ton um and uh I, sometimes i get the impression that jay dyer reads the reads these books and gets done with it and is just like i knew all of that i like <laughs> he either he, he's either like, I agree with it or I disagree with it. But either way, I knew all of that already, you know? Yeah. So, well, yeah. so it, are all his interviews like that where he, where no, he's, no, no, no. Uh, he, he's, he's pretty good a lot of the time. I mean, he definitely tries to be funny. I think he is funny. I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes when you're trying to be funny, other things kind of fall by the wayside. Mm. And sometimes it's, it's funny to like dunk on someone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, see, I, uh, I, it's just not, it's not in my personality, man. It would take, you would have to be pretty reprehensible for me to want to dunk on you. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, sometimes these people online are kind of reprehensible. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. If I'm having a conversation with someone face to face or virtually like on zoom or something, I just think that there's a, a lot more respect generally in those sorts of interactions than just a Twitter exchange, you know what I mean? But I think it depends. I think my interactions on Zoom with a person are going to depend on how my interactions on Twitter have been with them, you know? Yeah. If they're, like, talking shit to me the entire time, I'm probably going to come into the conversation with, like, you know, my yeah. dukes up, yeah. you know? Yeah, so Ready it's like to... I remember being a kid, and, I like, when I was young, I wanted to be an, an attorney. And I like to argue. Yeah. I liked it, enjoyed it. I like the sparring. I like the thinking on your feet, r- r- um, post hoc rationalization. You know, twisting words, and you know. And I was always qu- quick. You know, I thought quickly, so I was always good at it. I liked to argue, but it was like practicing a skill, and it, it was, my heart wasn't in it. I just liked it. I was like playing. It was like playing um, you know, dodgeball. Yeah. It was fun. You know, it didn't mean anything. It was just fun. Yeah. I see that's common in kids. And it seems like it's lasting longer into adulthood now than like there's lots of twenty year olds on the internet that like were like me when I was twelve, you know. It's sad. It's like it is sad. It's sad. You ever see that video of that dude who cries over the new Star Wars trailer? <laughs> no. Oh god, it's disgusting. It's like disturbing, man. Jeez, oh, he's cr- he's crying. In, in, tears in of what? joy oh, because god. this new Star Wars trailer has come out. Oh god. Sad, it is sad. It's, the level of testosterone is dropping through the fucking floor, through, man. Through the floor, man. Alex Jones is right. They're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> you know what? You know what Jordan said about this? Uh, he's. I just heard it twice recently. He said that um, they did this experiment where they took a, a picture of a man, which is a handsome man, and they made adjustments. They had made versions of this guy, and all they did was they adjusted the width of his jaw. 
So some of the pictures, he had normal jaw. Some of them, they were smaller. Some of them, they were larger. And they would show women the pictures, and they would ask the women to pick which version they thought was the uh, most attractive. When the, when the women were menstruating, they overwhelmingly picked the man with the wide jaw. When, when they weren't menstruating, they overwhelmingly picked the man with a smaller jaw, more realistic-looking jaw. And Jordan says that wide, a wide jaw is a sign, one of the outward biological, ev, ev, biologically evident signs of a high testosterone. So the higher testosterone you have during, during development, the wider your jaw will become. Makes a lot of sense. Um, women who are menstruating prefer, visibly, men who are sh- displaying signs of having high testosterone, which also, biologically, evolutionarily, makes perfect sense. But this is what Jordan says. He says, when women take birth control, they don't answer the same way. When women are on birth control, they still pick the guys with smaller chins. Mm. If they're menstruating, they still pick the guys with smaller chins. Birth control interferes with whatever it is that women are picking up on, right? The cues for picking the guy with high testosterone. And it's all interesting, right? But what it means is, Jordan says, he wonders, since birth control came out in the 60s, have women been mating with less and less masculine men? Have we been feminizing our culture and watering down our gene pool by taking this biological uh, thing that women have done since the beginning of time, mating with men that have high testosterone? Have we been breeding ourselves out of that? And then, and then you, look at, up, you look at all the fighters and how all the best fighters are not from here. Yeah. You know? I just wonder, man. Yeah. I just wonder. It's fucked up. It's like unintended consequences of birth control that we might be just demasculating our, our you know, taking the masculine edge out of our culture yeah. and out of our gene pool. And and so many kids now, like so many boys, I, I think it's more common with boys, um, are... Uh, they're not having sex, man. They're not having sex. It's yeah. a weird world. It's weird. Weird. It's like it's like the most important biological instinct. Do you remember when you were a teenager? Try try to stop me from having sex. Try. <laughs> everything everything about me, everything all everything about the world is designed at that point to facilitate making babies. And there's just tons and tons of teenagers with no sex drive. It's like something is wrong, man. Yeah. I, I was actually on the way over here. I was thinking about what it was like when we were younger. And like all the movies that came out were like horny teenager movies like American Pie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Can't make those anymore. I guess not. Now, now you just watch porn on the internet. Like, you know, it's something that's a billion times more graphic. That's what the, like these kids who aren't getting laid, that's what, I mean, you know, they're watching porn, they're, you know, chatting with people on the internet. Yeah. Ted Kaczynski was right. See, that's one of the reasons why I want to read the Ted Ted Kaczynski letters or whatever they're called, because uh, I'm curious, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ted Kaczynski's that he definitely said some interesting stuff. We should also we should also read those Zodiac uh, articles. I don't know what that is about the Zodiac killer. Yeah, he would. He was 
sending in articles to the newspaper, oh, forcing okay. them to publish okay. them, and all the ciphers that were there. And you remember that? Some I crazy do shit, that, man. Yeah. All right, I got a piece so bad, so I think we're gonna have to wrap this up. You got any last words? Nope. All right, two tongues land. We love you. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.